Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job encourages us to let go of our failures and let the love of God lead us into new life. God says, do you really love me? Then use your gifts. Do you really love me? Then serve me. Do you really love me? Then don't give up on your call. Do you really love me? Then roll up your sleeves and pursue the plan and purpose that I have for your life. That's how you show me that you really love me. Welcome to Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Mark continues a message about overcoming our failures and running to the presence of Jesus. Sometimes the failures of our past have a way of dragging us down, keeping us trapped in guilt and shame and the fear of repeating the same mistakes all over again. But when we shift our focus away from ourselves, away from our past, and we put our focus on the love and hope of Jesus Christ, that's when a real breakthrough begins to take place. Today's message is titled, Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. And to get us started, here now is Mark Job, reading from the book of John, chapter 21, starting in verse 7. While the rest of them did the work and hauled in the fish and took the boat in, Simon Peter ran ahead. And I believe that this was one of the first moments that we can say that Peter really began to heal. Because instead of running to his failure, there was a switch, there was a moment, there was a time where Peter says, I'm not just going to stay here fishing, I'm running to Jesus. He'd failed, but yet he decided, I'm not going to stay in my failure, I'm going to face Jesus, I'm going to run. And the Bible says he swam, he ran, he made it over to Jesus. He jumped in the water as the other disciples followed in the tow. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So the first step in really overcoming our failure is that we stop running from God and from our failure, and instead we start running to Jesus. Let me, before I make my second point, let me just say this. The first place we want to escape from if we failed spiritually is the people of God, the places of God, and God himself. Is it not so? If you feel like you're not doing very good spiritually, you don't want to be in church. Uh, You don't want to go and be around a bunch of people that are opening their Bibles and worshiping. You want to be somewhere else. When you're feeling like a failure spiritually, guess what? It seems like there's always some excuse to not be in the house of God because you don't want people to ask you, so how you doing? You don't want to hear the word. You don't want to be around worship. Uh, You don't want to have to answer questions. So normally when we're not doing too good, we find a lot of excuses to stay away from the places that the people of God gather. I can tell when someone's usually not doing very good because they start staying away for a while because they don't want to be around God and the things of God and the people of God. The very place that they need to be, they stay away from when they're not doing that well. The second thing I want you to remind you about if you're going to reset your life is this. I experience reset When I receive painful healing discipline that restores my life. I want you to notice 
that once the disciples gathered around, they're having breakfast, they get to the shore, Jesus already has a fire. Did you know Jesus was a cook? He already had a fire going. He had the bread. He had the fish there. He said, come have some of this fish. And uh, none of the disciples dared to ask him who he was because they already knew that it was the Lord. And Jesus took some of the bread and he gave it to the disciples. Now this is the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples. Now I want you to picture this scenario. It's early in the morning. They're set, sitting around a campfire. There's eight of them sitting around this campfire eating fish after a long night. And Jesus looks at Peter. Peter feels like I failed, but he hasn't talked about his failure. How many of you know that sometimes when we failed someone, even though we haven't talked about that failure, it feels like it's a big issue between us? I remember my brother, when he got a driver's license, he was, we were living for one year going to school at my grandparents' house, and he was about 16 years old, and my grandfather had loaned him his car, and he was very meticulous about his car. And my brother managed to have two little fender benders within the first two weeks of having his license. And so Grandpa sat him down and had a major conversation with him. He said, Bob, you know, this is really going to cost us money. The insurance is going to go up. You have to be more careful. You have to really be careful. I mean, this could cause you an accident. It could cost us money. And he went on and on for a 45-minute lecture. And just after that, Bob said, okay, I guess I can't drive. Grandpa said, I'm going to trust you one more time. He gave my brother the keys, and him and I had to go to a guitar lesson. So we got in our car, and he was driving, and Bob was saying, I really have to be careful. I can't get in a fender bender again. Uh, Grandpa, really, I, I'm glad he gave me another chance. I'm really going to watch out. And he was so into this conversation that he ran a stop sign, and sure enough, boom! This was the fi biggest fender bender by far. So he called up Grandpa. He said, hey, Grandpa, I'm here on the corner of such and such a street. Can you come and pick us up? We've had a fender bender. Silence on the other line. He said, okay, we'll expect you in about 10 minutes. He hung up. We waited. He didn't come. He called up again and said, Grandpa, I wasn't joking. Well, when Grandpa arrived, he didn't say a word. Don't you hate it when they don't say anything? He didn't say, boys, how's your neck? Everybody okay? No injuries? He didn't say anything like that. He just got there, didn't say a word. But guess what? We knew this is a big issue. No one's talked about it, but we've really blown it here. And no one's saying, how could you do this? But he didn't have to say anything because we felt this is a big issue. I believe that Peter felt like that with Jesus, and although Jesus had not said anything at all about his failure, I believe that Peter knew this is a big issue. No one's talked about it, we haven't said anything, but no one has to because it's a big issue. And notice what it says. When he had finished eating, thank God Jesus waits till he's done eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, Simon Peter should have known he was in trouble when Jesus used his full name. Now, now you know when your mom uses your middle name and your last name. When I say Josiah Mark Joe, 
when, when they use your full name, you know you're in trouble, right? Jesus doesn't call him Peter. Now, Jesus had named Simon. Peter had changed his name. He said, you're Simon, but now I'm going to call you Peter because I'm this rock. And he went on to explain, I will build my church, and you're going to be like a rock and part of it. He was talking about the word. But he changed his name to Peter. But he doesn't call him Peter here. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, what these is he talking about? I think he looked at, he pointed at the rest of the disciples and said, hey, do you love me more than these guys love me? Now, why would he ask him that question? Well, because a couple of months earlier, Peter had said, even all if these guys deny you, I won't deny you. I'm more committed than they are. So Jesus is asking him, hey, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these? I think Peter kind of lowers his head and says, Lord, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He's not comparing himself anymore. He's saying, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. You say, well, was he a shepherd? No. What's he talking about? He's not talking about real sheep. He's talking about the call that Peter has upon his life. Peter had abandoned his call because of failure. And Jesus was saying, if you really love me, then take up your call again. Don't walk away. Don't bail out. Take up your ministry. Take up your gifting. Take up your call. That's our Bible teacher, Mark Job, and you are listening to Bold Steps, and we'll dive into the second half of this message in just a moment. But first, Mark, I'd love to recap some of the highlights from this week's Bold Stepper Weekly. You talk about a conference that's coming up early next month. That's right. We have a men's conference called Walk Worthy happening in Canton, Ohio, March 4th, 2023. This will be a fun conference to be a part of. Um, uh, I'm speaking there. We also have Mike Fabaris, who mm-hmm. you hear on Moody Radio. Great pastor from and California. And uh, yeah. many people know Ed Stetzer, who speaks all over the country. This is going to be a phenomenal conference for men, challenging you to step up to your call and to live as a man of God. Sounds like a Hall of Fame conference at the home of the Football Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio. <laughs> That's right, yeah, Canton, okay. Ohio. Well, Mark wrote about it in this week's Bold Stepper Weekly, and so you don't miss what's ahead in future editions of the Weekly. Why don't you sign up to receive it automatically at boldstepsradio.org. It also contains the Bold Step Minute, and you can check that out independently at boldstepsminute.org. All right, sign up today at boldstepsradio.org. Let's get to the final part of our message for today. It's titled, Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. Here again is Mark. Then he asked him a second time. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you truly love me? Peter, I think probably moves the dust around with his feet a little bit and he says, yes, Lord, you you know I love you. Now, it's interesting that in the Greek it shows up. We can't see it in the English version because when we use the word love in English, it's just one word. People, you go out and you have pizza and you say, I love this pizza. 
And then in a tender moment with your wife, you say, I love you, honey. And we sort of use the same word for pizza and for our wife. It is terrible, isn't it? But in the, Greek, there were, in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, there were three different ways of saying love, three different variations. One was agape or agapeo, which is the highest form of love, sort of unconditional love. And then there's the filio, which means brotherly kind of love, the kind of love a brother has for another. And then there's eros love, which is more of a romantic kind of love. And so when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He says, Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter responded and said, yes, Jesus, you know I phileo you. Jesus was saying, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, yeah, you know I love you like a brother. And the second time Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally with this love? And Peter says, yeah, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. And then Jesus says again, then take care of my sheep, tend my sheep. He's talking about people. He's talking about Peter's call. Jesus had called Peter to minister, and Peter had felt like a failure, so he had bailed out on his ministry. And then Jesus says it one more time. He said, well, isn't that kind of mean of Jesus to do it that way? Why was he doing that? He was grilling Peter. He was helping Peter deal with his failure. He was, in, a, in essence, rebuking Peter, challenging Peter. And the third time, Jesus says to him, Simon, son of Jonah, and Jesus lowers his standard, and he uses the word that Peter was using. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Notice what it says in the middle of verse 17. And Peter was hurt. Boy, this really hurts. That Jesus had to ask him three times. There was pain, shame. And he says, it says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. See, here's what I want you to know. That even though you've blown it or messed up or failed, even though maybe God gave you something and you bailed out on it or flubbed it up, mismanaged it. And some of us have walked away and spiritually feel like we can never make it. The way that we love God is not simply by having some emotional goosebump feeling towards God, but the way we demonstrate our love towards God is by embracing the call that God has on our life. God says, do you really love me? Then use your gifts. Do you really love me? Then serve me. Do you really love me? Then don't give up on your call. Do you really love me? Then roll up your sleeves and pursue the plan and purpose that I have for your life. That's how you show me that you really love me. And one last point I want to give you this morning on God's reset button. Number three, write, jot this down. 
I experience reset when I pay attention to God's plans for my life and stop playing the comparison game. And by the way, let me tell you that discipline at the time never feels easy. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. In other words, God loves you enough to discipline you. And sometimes we think that the words of Jesus are always going to be just nice words, but sometimes the words of Jesus rebuke us, challenge us. And you know what? Notice what it says in verse 18. Jesus then turned to Peter and he said, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus says, when you were younger in your spiritual life, you did whatever you wanted to do. But you know what? There's going to be a day where people will bind your hands and they will lead you. You will be a prisoner and ultimately you will stretch out your hands and die. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, a martyr's death. And Jesus was signifying how he would die in following him. Well, Peter's a good guy, but he still had a lot of growing to do. And Jesus said to him, now that you know that, Peter, follow me. It may not be easy, Peter, but if you really love me, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, again, John, who was following them. Uh, this is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw John, he asked, Lord, what about him? But doesn't he sound like a child? Sounds like my kid. Son, you have to clean the bathroom today. Oh, what about him? It's a comparison game. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus answered, If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor and the spread among the brethren that, the disciple, that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until he return, what is that to you? Do you remember that out of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus, only one of them died a natural death? You know who that was? John. Uh, John was a prisoner on the island of Patmos, and John ultimately died of old age. All the other disciples died a martyr's death. But the point that we're making here with Peter is that oftentimes, if we're going to follow God and do the reset button, you have to stop comparing yourselves to others. It doesn't matter what God has called that person to do. It doesn't matter what that person does or doesn't do. God has a calling on your life. Stop comparing yourself to others. Set that reset button and say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what my past has and no matter how far advanced others are or no matter how much failure they have in, your li in their life, it's about me and you, God. I will follow you. If I were to have a big reset button on this stage, 
And if you knew I could come up and hit that reset button like this, boom, and your life would be reset to no failures, clean past, I think that would be a popular button. And I want to say we don't have a big red reset button on this stage, but we do have the presence and power of God that can reset your life. And if today you have come into this auditorium struggling with spiritual failure, struggling with things in your past that hold you back, feeling like I've blown it in this area or that area, then there is a reset button. It's called confession and repentance. It's called the ability to lay it before the God himself. Allow God to restore you, and you may not even like the words that God is going to speak to you because sometimes they're, rebu they're words of rebuke or challenge. But you have to be willing to say af after you give up, okay, God, I'm going to follow you and pursue the purpose and plan for my life, even though I've blown it in the past. Thank you, God, that you are not done with me. Amen? I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, God is not done with you. He's not. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And you may feel like I failed or blown it, but God is not done with you yet. God is the God of restoration and of the second chance and third chance and fourth chance and fifth chance and sixth chance and seventh chance and eighth chance and ninth chance. God is the God that continues to give us chances by His grace, He forgives and restores. Yes, yeah, so maybe you've heard this message and you feel like Peter at his lowest moment. Uh, you look back and you think, I've made some very bad decisions that have affected your life and maybe the people that you love around you. And you wonder if you can ever come back or bounce back. Well, I believe there are consequences to our choices, but in God, God is the God that is able to restore when we come to him with repentant hearts of full surrender. So I want to pray for those of you today that feel like you're at a place of acknowledging your failure and wondering if God can ever use you again. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, for that person that the enemy has lied to, the enemy has told them that, uh, that you will never be able to use them. The enemy has told them that they're beyond redemption. The enemy has told them that their life will never turn around. They'll never get better. They just might as well stay where they're at. I pray for that person right now that is under a blanket of guilt, of shame, of condemnation, of discouragement. I pray in Jesus' name that they would sense your grace and your power, that they would know today through this message and through your Holy Spirit that you, yes, are the God that takes our failures and turns them to the good, that you can take someone like Peter who had blown it, denied you, cussed that he didn't know you, and, and turn him into the leader of the church, the early church, Father. You are the God that takes the broken and makes it whole. And so I pray that you would breathe hope, Father into that person that's listening right now that really needs to hear it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Mark, can I ask you to say just a word about the free resource we're offering to our listeners this month, the book, Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's in your marriage that you felt like a failure, that it needs to be restored and that it needs to just get back to a good place. Well, this is a great resource. It's called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And this is a small booklet, but it's packed with four key habits that if you start to practice them, I think can restore some of the joy and some of the excitement and some of the thrill of what it means to be married. You can request your copy of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages today when you give a financial gift of any amount. Go online to boldstepsradio.org or make your donation over the phone by calling 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your gift and request the book through the mail. Right to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. I know that comes fast, so let me repeat it. 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And then one final reminder to go and subscribe to the Bold Steps podcast, where you can find each of these daily messages and listen wherever you go, whether you're taking a road trip or just an evening stroll. Open up your favorite podcast app on your phone or smart device. Search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job and click the subscribe button. You can also connect with us and find even more content on our social media pages. Just log into your Facebook or Instagram account, search for Bold Steps Radio, and tap the like or follow button. I'm Wayne Shepherd signing off for now, but tomorrow we'll begin a new series on the critical topic of identity, where we'll discover just how important it is to really know who you are to God. That's Friday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.